We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the podcast, the co-host as well of the Stadium Bananas podcast with Ben Gretz. Sean, we are hitting episode 300 today, 300 episodes of the Rotoviz OT podcast in the books. I will, uh, in a moment, I think I'll try and play a, a sample clip of what I think I've put together as a potential new intro with the players, including Jonathan Taylor, who you advised to add in uh, towards the end of Tuesday's show. But uh, 300 shows in the books, we're ramping towards week six. It's uh, It's been a fun run, but uh, here's to the next uh, 300. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's been a great time. And the, the main thing has been how much fun it's been to share the time with the Rotoviz overtime community, the listener leagues this year were an absolute blast. We're getting some good interaction with folks who want to write for the site. And one of the things we always do like to do is uh, give opportunities to new potential writers. A lot of the stars that have emerged from Rotoviz have come to us in you know some way, shape, or form that mirrors that. And so you know if we can get more people opportunities to pursue uh, just something that's a great hobby for you know a handful of people it becomes you know a, a great career but fantasy football is a lot of fun and to get to share it with people who have similar interests and similar mindsets and just an enthusiasm for you know the game the strategy the numbers uh, and you know sharing that with other people has been a lot of fun and Colm you are absolutely Fantastic. I couldn't imagine a better co-host to have done this with. Obviously, when, anytime we get reviews, the main thing that people note is that Column has the best voice in the industry. And so it, it's been a lot of fun to share these 300 with you. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I um 
I could, I wouldn't change anything about it in terms of getting to do the shows with you has been a phenomenal experience. I hope I'm a, a better fantasy player now than when I was 300 episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the listeners are also, but yeah, 300 in the books and uh, thanks to everyone who's tuned in for those episodes, even if it's one episode or if it's all 300. I know we have people that are OG listeners from the very start. If you haven't dropped a written interview yet on the show and you have been a long-time listener, maybe you're new to the show, please do drop us a rating on your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate that greatly. Sean, I'm going to try and play this clip now. I don't know if it's going to play. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's uh, give it a go and we'll see And uh, we'll see if it gets any approval from the listeners uh, over the next couple of days to see if it's what we go with. So here we go. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, 76-yard touchdown. So let me know what you think on Twitter off that. The players that did make that final cut, uh, Devontae Adams got in there. Um, we had to go with DJ Moore. DJ Moore was the, the runaway leader there, and then Sean mentioned uh, Jonathan Taylor. So uh, that audio for anyone who watched Monday Night Football will uh, be aware that that was his long touchdown um on monday night football so let me know what you think on, on twitter at overtime ireland and um I, I think it might make it as the the final cut but sean we are going to continue on today's show dive into some more topics and uh I, I did tease it at the end of the last episode about the your love for dan campbell of course dan campbell head coach of the detroit lions uh what in week five made you profess your love for mr campbell well, Colin, I, I mean, Lions fans are very acquainted with these starts like they're currently having. But I, this this game was rough, right? Jerry Goff has played, I think, about as well as you could hope through the first four weeks when you consider kind of where they are with the receiving weapons. Now, they have TJ Hawkinson. He's been fantastic, but he's a little bit limited with a knee injury now. And he's mentioned that he thinks the defenses are trying to take him away, facing constant double teams, that kind of thing. You are going to face that as the best player. We know that guys like Tyreek Hill even can be taken away occasionally if the team makes it their top priority to stop him. Now, with the Chiefs, you know, you start to pick your poison. If you can take away Tyreek Hill, usually you give up big games to Travis Kelsey. The Lions don't really have a second person. So if they can take away TJ Hawkinson, then they end up being in pretty good shape, especially now with it looking like Quintus Cephas may have some injuries that keep him out for good there. So the passing game is always going to be a challenge until you get more weapons. And it's going to be a challenge when you have Jerry Goff as your QB. He held up his end as well as he could through the first month. He was awful in this one, right? He was sacked a week leading four times. He threw a pick on a play where, you know, it was pretty unclear who the intended receiver even was. Uh, he threw late and behind the receivers, which, uh, you know, maybe isn't all on him again. We know that those receivers are not the elite players in the NFL. This team down 16 to six with about three minutes to go. And you're thinking, okay, well, I mean, there aren't going to be many fantasy points that come from this. The Lions are going to go down quietly. They go and they get that first field goal. And as we know, the teams are generally looking to get the field goal. If you're down a field goal and a touchdown, you get stopped. You kick the field goal fast. You try and get the ball back. They kick deep. We have this situation where Alexander Madison kind of gets stood up. 
they peel the ball away from him there. I, you know, there was a very similar play in your Packers Bengals game where forward progress was ruled stop, the ball was ruled dead. Uh, in this one, that did not happen. So that was a little unfortunate for Madison. He could have ended up as the GOAT in this one. The Lions take the ball. DeAndre Swift scores the touchdown. And then Campbell goes for two. So, you know, not too long after it looked like they were dead in the water and we're going to go down to an embarrassing 0 5 start. They come through, they take the lead, and it looks like they will finally get into the win column. And then, unfortunately, they give up two big chunk plays to Adam Thielen, who didn't have a recorded catch to that point. He did have the catch wiped out by penalty early in the game, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, this is the second time where they appeared to have the game won. They gave up these big passing plays late. Now, their defense isn't very good. And so it's a little bit of a different situation than with many teams where – you're like, yeah, I mean, you don't want to do what the Jets did so infamously last season and give up essentially a Hail Mary to beat you with no time left. But you do have to take an aggressive enough defensive approach that the team doesn't just easily get into field goal position. But this wasn't an easy field goal, right? Greg Joseph knocks down a 54-yarder on the final play. The Lions have now lost two games in this situation, one with a 66-yarder, one with a 54-yarder. And, you know, those aren't easy kicks, which, you know, Mason Crosby and Evan McPherson can definitely tell you. <laughs> um, the, the thing that we see in this game is that the Lions are completely overmatched. The Minnesota Vikings, again, play poorly. The, the Vikings look like a bad, bad team and yet still, you know, control the game against Detroit here. Many teams would simply go away. The Lions did not. I love the fact that they sort of have taken on their coach's mentality already. I, you know, Campbell, one of these guys who just really looks like his personality will infuse the team. And the fact that they went for two, they took the lead, they go for the win. You love to see that. One of the things that has really stood out with some of the young coaches is that the aggressiveness they have displayed in decision-making has given their teams a great opportunity to maximize whatever skills they have. Now, you look at the situation with the Los Angeles Chargers, and we talked about this in the previous show, when you have that much talent and your coach is aggressive, then you get to the situation where the Chargers are. They look like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. If you don't have that much talent, it still is important to go after it. And the Lions are doing that. You know, this is an unfortunate situation here and that they just simply aren't very good. But I think that finally they're going in the right direction after Really, I call it, it's been a long time since the Lions had a coach you could feel good about. I mean, even the coaches who were solid or the coaches where you're like, you know, maybe it makes sense. They didn't infuse the fan base. I don't think they did for the players. This sort of enthusiasm for the team and the belief in the long term, I think we may finally be there in Detroit. Yeah, I think they were very unfortunate here. And you mentioned, and we touched on the Chargers in the previous show, uh, The some of the play calling this year has been kind of on one end of the scale or the other in terms of being very, very aggressive. We've seen it a number of times with the Browns as well, uh, particularly against the Chiefs in that contest. But we've seen more teams starting to go for it and fourth down, but we've also seen other teams who are consistently giving up that opportunity um, you know, on fourth down to, to take that even if it's a slightly longer down, I think over the course of the season, being that a little bit more aggressive is going to stand you in good favor. Uh, also going for it on that two-point conversion uh, was quite an exciting play. A lot of uh, you know enthusiasm shared by the, the Lions, but we've seen it a number of times this season where teams have just given a little bit too long on the clock to give that opportunity for a field goal. So tough loss here for the Lions. And as you pointed there, also that loss to the Ravens, two very tough losses 
could be three and two, but are, are five and zero oh, um, with those two last second losses. But uh, overall, they they were kind of torn through in that first half by Justin Jefferson. He kind of gets a little bit more shut out in the second half. You mentioned the first half, um, Thielen being pretty much shut out and then getting the two chunk plays uh, at the end of the the game overall. Um, in terms, Sean, of the the rest of the week. Um, anything else in particular that, that really stood out for you? Well, we had mentioned DeAndre Swift as an excellent pick and a way to play this combined run-pass profile that we really like a little bit less expensively, in part because you know he's not an established star yet, even though he made quite a few explosive plays at the end of last season. And then in part because they brought in Jamal Williams, who looked pretty good as the sidekick to Aaron Jones there in Green Bay. And not only did he look pretty good, but the Lions had made a big point of talking him up and saying that he's going to be the early down runner. We know that the high leverage touches or the high value touches were likely to go to Swift. And yet it's, it's always a problem if you're going to give up a lot of these touches, unless your offense on the ground is as dynamic as the Cleveland Browns, for example who, you know, it's still this question of, is it sustainable? Although I've argued that with the Browns, it can be, and it certainly has been. But, you know, will there be enough points to go around? One of the things that we've seen is that, unfortunately for Williams, there hasn't been quite enough for him, even though he's looked pretty good, right? He's functioned very well as the early down runner the last several weeks. And yet, I mean, they need Swift in these important moments. And so... We talked about the fact that they're probably not going to score as often as most of, well, really most any team, but especially the teams, you know, like say the Browns or your Green Bay Packers, you know, Williams, their last season, you get a lot of these goal line situations, or even one of the things that we've really seen with Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, when you have that much explosiveness, you have a defense that's spread out a little bit more, you can even score quite a bit in that, you know, between the five and the 20 range, the running back can get in from there. So They're not going to have those opportunities necessarily, but they are going to have garbage time. This isn't going to work out exactly every week. We see some situations like with the Miami Dolphins last week where they weren't able to take advantage of a situation where they were behind by a lot. And you think, okay, well, now is a chance to just pile on some soft points. Well, if you go three and out, you can't pile on anything, right? So, But the Lions have been able to use Swift late. The idea that he would have these fourth quarter points is playing out so far. He's a clear RB1 at this juncture you know we want to take this as both in some ways a proof of concept but also be a little conservative in what we think will happen going forward he very easily could have scored far fewer points in this game and he still actually is maybe not impressing as much as a runner as we would like on some of the plays the decisiveness from williams on those early cuts versus what swift is doing there is that contrast there and so the idea that swift would take The entire backfield, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Number one, the Lions are going to be bad. There's no reason to wear down someone like Swift, who hopefully will still be very good in the years in the future where the Lions are competitive. But then also when when the starter is actually playing a little better or the early down back is playing better in that role, you know, why would he give up that role? But we did see these receptions from Swift late. We saw an encouraging play. We know that he's got the ability to make guys miss. He also had sort of a humorous play in this one where a defensive back thought he was going to go around. Instead, he goes through and puts the defensive back on the ground. Sort of an embarrassing play there for the Minnesota secondary. But it's it's good to see the aggressiveness. You know, the coaches like those types of plays. Those types of plays, even though you know they're equivalent to just going around the guy, but it is stuck out in the coach's mind. Oh, this you know this guy can hit too. So 
you know, that's going to be a positive for him. He was able to score on that late touchdown. When you have opportunities like that, and when he's going to be the guy to get those kinds of touches, then, I mean, this is going to play out in many weeks very much in our favor. There is a little bit of a lower ceiling or not necessarily a lower ceiling, but the floor is very low for DeAndre Swift because you do have that risk of almost a zero type of game if they don't get the opportunities in the right way in the fourth quarter or if they're not able to convert first downs. It's very possible that a defense will come out and just force the three and outs the way that they have earlier in the game, even in these late game situations. So good and bad there. Swift has scored the fantasy points that we need so far. We hope that he continues to do that. One of the very tiny silver linings and not having some of those touches that Williams is getting is that you do have slightly less injury risk, right? We know every single time that a runner gets the ball, has those carries, anytime that you have a touch, you have that chance for an injury. So that element, especially when we know that Swift has had the growing problem. And then as we saw with Saquon Barkley, there were so many ways for a running back to get hurt or any of these players to get hurt. You minimize that a little bit more and maybe maintain most of the upside when the carries that Jamal Williams is getting, those tend to be the ones that just won't score you very many fantasy points. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sean, you did touch on the Miami Dolphins and you said about you know the garbage time scenario. They didn't put up a lot of points in garbage time, but somebody who put up a lot of points for them was Miles Gaskin. So we've touched on Austin Eckler on the previous show. We touched on Derek Henry. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. But a man who put up uh, 31.9 PPR points over the past week was Miles Gaskin. Season hadn't been really going according to plan for him. And in this one, only carried it five times. Did catch 10 of 10 in terms of his targets for 74 yards and two touchdowns. Looked really, really good in the receiving game. Um, what can we kind of look at rest of season with Gaskin? Are we going to see him be a, a pass catching back are we going to see him get a full workload you know on the ground what what can you expect i think at this point it's maybe uh you know our crystal ball might be tricky to to get a definitive outcome on, on gaskin's rest of season 
It is because we've definitely gotten the signal from Miami that they don't see him as a star. If they did, then Malcolm Brown wouldn't have come out the previous week as the guy getting the touches. But one of the things that we know is so important for controlling these games, and it's especially important, I believe, if you're a team like the Dolphins, that's not going to score a huge number of points in almost any scenario, right? I mean, you're not going to be a team that can be involved in that Cleveland uh, Chargers shootout. You need to get up. You need to be able to control the clock. You need to let your defense play. And, you know, Miami is at the talent level right now where they're going to need to squeak out victories. They're not going to run away from teams and they're not going to make some big comebacks so every play is going to be important for managing the game. You come out with Malcolm Brown, you're just you're giving everything away because he doesn't have the talent level or the skill set within that talent level that makes him a good fit for what they need to do. Gaskin does. Gaskin proved that he can be an NFL back last season. One of the things that Blair talks about in his article last week is just that we have this very clear trend. And we talked about this even back to the days when the fantasy douche was uh, writing some articles about how if you get seasons from guys like a Philip Lindsay, from a James Robinson, from a Miles Gaskin, you need to get out of those shares if you can do that at a price that's reasonable because teams tend to go away from these guys even when they're very good. Well, Robinson now has been able to impress in part because ETN is out and you know it's not like they're not going to use ETN when he comes back in future seasons, those guys are going to be there, but hopefully even if it ends up that James Robinson is on a different team, I mean, he's getting another chance to just show how good he is. It was really cool in this one to see Gaskin come out, look so dynamic as a receiver. He fits that role really well. So even if he ends up being a committee back at some point, you know, hopefully it'll be a committee back with a bigger talent than the other guys that he occasionally shares the ball with in Miami. But the other thing that really jumps out here in this game is that these 10 receptions, you know, they come in the first three quarters. I mentioned that, you know, Miami was not able to take advantage of garbage time kind of as the drives worked out. It was Ahmed who had the opportunities on one of the drives. And then the next drive, basically a couple of pass plays, you know, and you punt. But the fact that these receptions all come early is a great sign in terms of how they will use him going forward. It makes those opportunities a little bit more sustainable in terms of how we look at them. It's not like you know there were a couple drives late where he racked up seven receptions. And no, I mean, this was the game plan. He is the guy. It's a team that needs to pass the ball because they don't have the, you know, the quarterback play. And at this point, the receiving play to be able to run, run, and then try and convert on third down, run, run, convert. No, I mean, it's one of those kind of weird things where the weaker your offense is, the more important it is actually not to do the protect your quarterback, but to make sure you give your quarterback multiple options to be able to pick up these first downs. And so for a running back to have a value in Miami, it's going to need to come through the air. Gaskin is so good in this. And I think that in a lot of ways, this is a career defining or career saving kind of game because it illustrates so clearly, number one, how good he is. And number two, what a great fit he is. And, you know, there's no guarantee if the season progresses a little bit more and nobody really jumps out, you're not given that opportunity or you don't have this big splash game. There's no guarantee that it ever happens. I mean, we've kind of seen with Philip Lindsay where the lack of a signature game over a stretch has made him more and more marginalized. You get into a situation where now you're either on a terrible team with Houston or you're just getting you know, six, seven touches. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to use those six, seven touches as well as you can 
you need to break off a 70, 80 yard run, even though, I mean, that's, that's so difficult. That's one of the reasons why when Jonathan Taylor does it in the receiving game, the other night that it stands out so much, I mean, those are huge plays. Ronald Jones, you know, one of the most explosive backs in the NFL, hardly used, but even when he has been used, you know, he's got that one ninety-nine yard carry, you know, you're not going to go out and do that every play, right? So the fewer chances you have to do it, and that's one of the reasons why Jones hasn't looked great this season. The fact that Gaskin put this game together, I think really changes his career and hopefully changes the Miami game plan for the better. It's exciting to see what could happen when Tua comes back. Hopefully at some point, Fuller will be able to come back. Hopefully Jalen Waddle will play better than he did last week where he did not go after the ball and did not make key catches. And, you know, there's some undervalued elements here in Miami to where I've got a lot of confidence in this organization. I think they're going to be very good. You know, hopefully the second half of 2021, if not then in 2022, Gaskin now I think can be a part of it. A team that are probably hoping to, you know, to head in the same upward trajectory. Um, they're probably, you know, might have a little bit more of a battle in their hands, but that's uh, the Giants as well, the New York Giants. Uh, Kadarius Tony was somebody who, in the offseason, obviously a first-round pick, wasn't a huge amount of buzz around him. Training camp didn't really go his way. Then, obviously, we have the injuries at the wide receiver position, you know, with Slayton and Shepard. But um, Tony put up a, a monster game this week against the New Orleans Saints, had 13 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards. And we touched on it in Monday's show uh, on a couple of scenarios where it didn't work out where he went against us and uh, put up uh, close to 30 points uh, this past week he had 9.5 air yards as well per target so uh, again like Gaskin is this something that we think will be uh, able to be repeated you know throughout the season obviously as a rookie as well it's you know trying to get that consistency can be tricky but a big big day here for Tony it was and I think this could be a little bit like what we saw last year with T Higgins where there were a couple of games early in the season that were you know minimal enough that even some participants who drafted him around 17 around 18 they dropped him to waivers and then there were some teams where we were able to pick him up tony because of the injuries because of the general perception of him as a reach there in the first round you know had definitely had some big red flags on his prospect profile and so he's on waivers in almost every league where he was a couple weeks ago. Now, one of the things here that I think can be really helpful as a fantasy participant is that if you're able to come off of your takes or your beliefs that appear to be wrong, especially if it's not that expensive, then you want to do that. And so I feel kind of fortunate that we're able to get Tony on, I think, almost half the teams last week. And then he comes back with this game and you're thinking, okay, well, this could be huge because again, you know, one of the reasons that we structure our teams the way that we do is that these type of options at receiver are more scarce, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't take advantage of them when they are there. And Tony, he looked really good in week four. And then in week five, he comes back and with Barkley out with these other guys out, I mean, he backed that up in a huge way, right? So you don't even need the advanced stats to know that he had a great game. You can catch 10 of 13 for 189 yards, but the advanced stats are encouraging because he's doing it in a variety of factors. You mentioned 
the target depth and, and Blair in his article points out that's, you know, that was more than uh, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen in week five. And it's kind of right in that range where the player could emerge as a big time overall receiver, as opposed to a gadget guy. It no longer really looks like that. Both if you watch him or you just look at the stat profile, you know, he catches 77% of his passes and then has 91 yards after the catch. So Again, I mean, this fits very much into the profiles we've talked about for Stephon Diggs, for DJ Moore, this pre-catch value, the post-catch value, the variety of routes and the variety of target depths within the game. There were a lot of different times this last week where even guys that we know are extremely athletic, you watch the game and you're like, I think, you know, I don't know if my guy's tired. I don't know if he's a little bit hurt. I don't, you know. Partly it's just, you know, you get in this mindset of this guy is really good and he's going to flash, you know, so much in every play. And then someone like DJ Moore, who had a weak game last week, not just statistically, but you're thinking, I mean, he just doesn't quite look like himself. He's not operating at a different level than the other players. And then, you know, you're watching Tony and his athleticism really jumps out. And that's why the Giants drafted him. And so, you know, we talked about on the Tuesday show this idea of, you know, how much do the practice reports matter and the beat writers not being on Mike Williams? And then, you know, obviously one of the reasons why Tony wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues or was dumped back to waivers if people did draft him in rounds 19 or 20 was not just that he wasn't involved early because, I mean, the Giants have one of these receiving cores that, you know, it could be good, could be bad. It's got great depth, but doesn't necessarily have a star even after the acquisition of Kenny Galladay. I, mean, I think Kenny Galladay can be a good player, but a lot of what he did in Detroit is based on Matthew Stafford, the, the specific skills that Matthew Stafford has, and the fact that they didn't have other people. And so, you know, you look at the volume for Galladay and for Marvin Jones in that offense, if there's no true wide receiver one, those guys are going to be able to convert some of that. Which again, that doesn't mean that they're not good players. It just means that they don't have a star there with the Giants but if you don't have a star, but you do have depth, then someone like Tony can be buried a little bit. And the narrative coming out of Giants camp was that, you know, the coaches don't know like how he would fit in this offense. He, you know, he doesn't look great. Obviously also missed some time with injuries. That part makes it easier to understand the idea that they don't know how to use him when he was healthy. And again, I mean, one of the things that we see with the young players, it's, it can be a little bit more of a light switch situation than seems possible. I mean, you go from, just looking completely overmatched to all of a sudden looking like a star almost overnight. And even with some of the, the college tennis that I coached back in the day, um, you know, you would see that occasionally with, with some of the players where, you know, there's that early uh, just adjustment period, you know, you go to college and you're adjusting to more than just the level of player, your teammates, you're adjusting that whole life. You know, when you move from college to being a professional, it's a very big life change that you're adjusting to, as well <laughs> but the main thing here right is that you watch tony the last couple of weeks and you're trying to think to yourself i don't know that you need to figure out how to use it just use it however you want on any given play i mean he looks like he does everything well <laughs> so it, it'll be exciting to see what he does going forward from here yeah it's gonna be interesting and obviously we're heading to week six it is the first week with bio weeks i looked through some lineups you know to start to plan what a what the lineup was going to look like this week and it's you know that week that you see the buys there and you're like 
where's all my team gone uh, so that can get interesting as well so anyone setting those lineups be sure and check nice and early um this week get you know if you need to make any waiver moves or anything to get the lineups filled make sure you do that and um, that is going to take it to the end of today's show it has been episode 300 of the road of his overtime podcast as i mentioned earlier drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already if you want to sign up for a Rotoviz NFL pass, some of the information we used today regarding Tony and Gaskins came from an article from Blair Andrews, is up on the site. Head on over, check that out, get access to all of that content, and you can get yourself a 10% discount by using the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. We're going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. We will be having our bonus show as well over the next week. Make sure you submit those questions uh, for myself or Sean. We'll have a, a little bit of fun doing that. And until we're back on Saturday with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.